Welcome to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. Yara is the global leader in crop nutrition knowledge and a producer of quality fertilizer products. Grow the future with Yara. Hello, it's me, Ken Rundle again, and joining me this time is Natalie Wood, Yara's Agronomy Operations Manager, and her colleague Oliver Walton, who, as Business Development Manager for Yara's Analytical Services, is very much involved with the company's lab testing business. As harvest proceeds around us and thoughts go to next year's crop, we're going to look at two key nutrients, phosphate and potash, P and K. The present pressure on costs means farmers are looking hard at every one of their inputs, and getting the best value from these two elements is coming under increased scrutiny. So, Natalie Wood, let's begin our discussion by reminding ourselves what P and K do and how vital a role that is. Well, we know that um, phosphate in particular is one of the really key nutrients for establishment. Um, and what we're obviously as this time of year, we're heading towards people starting to drill new crops. Um, so we really need to make sure that that phosphorus is there for root and shoot development, um, as well as energy transfer. Um, and both of those, as you'd guess, are important for the, the vital early stages of growth. Um, we know that in the soil, phosphorus isn't very mobile. So that means it, it can't move very far in the soil. And this kind of limits a freshly germinated seed, because if you imagine a seed, um, it's got very small roots and it can't uh, access very much. So therefore, if the phosphate isn't within the vicinity of the, the, the root, it's not going to be able to take it up. So therefore, if you're adding a bit of pea um, into the system, it's easy for that root to then uh, access it. Um, K as well is important for um, water regulation, which, of course, we're, we're experiencing very hot weather at the moment. But if there isn't much soil moisture when the crops are germinating, then again, K can kind of help with, you know, water regulation, etc. So they are really two key nutrients for establishment. But they are going to be something farmers are going to be looking at when they make up their budgets and, uh, and possibly uh, maybe suggest cutting back on it. What should be their thought process during that time? Yeah, well, it is um, quite easy to take a, a PK holiday, as it's called. Um, what I would suggest is look at your soil indices. So if you're on index one or above, then, you know, you'll be fine to establish oilseed, cereals, etc., because you'll have enough P and K in the soil to get the crop established. You will still need some fresh in the spring, though. Um, we need to remember that the, the P and K offtakes um, with each of these crops. So you need to still put on that maintenance application, really, um, in the spring. But if we're talking autumn, then, you know, index one and above, you'll have enough. But if you are on in index zero, then certainly you might want to think about putting some on um, in the seedbed, etc. I guess the, the only other option, if you haven't been able to put any on in the seedbed, but you still want to put a bid on in the autumn, is to go with a foliar, um, foliar spray, for example. So something like uh, Magfos K would have um, P and K in there. So that would be one of the other options. I've heard the term priority spend being talked about. Where does that fit in? Yeah, so, you know, you need to, as, it, as the name suggests, you need to prioritise where that money goes because, you know, it is critical um, to risk manage risks, etc. So you've got to kind of weigh up the risk of not applying P&K versus, you know, what it's going to cost you to put that on. Um, <clears throat> and if we think of P&K, you know, you're, you're looking at a third of a tonne or more um, from a fresh spring application of P&K. Um, so really, you just need to do the maths. But you know, it is key for, for getting that crop up in a way which we might struggle with this year if, if conditions continue to be as dry as they are now. 
Oliver Walton, if I can come to you, I suppose before any farmer starts calculating their P&K requirements, they need to know what's already there in the soil. Has proper analysis ever been more important? No, Ken, you're right. I mean, given the increased cost in all inputs this season, proper soil analysis has never really been so important. You know, this involves looking at all aspects of the soil, not just your P, K, magnesium and pH, but maybe now sort of going beyond the basics, looking at a wider range of micronutrients. This might help you highlight any antagonists hindering the availability of these key nutrients or even deficiencies within these micronutrients. Um, and then given that, we can start thinking about rectifying with any seed treatment or um, a Yaravita program along, the, along with a timely leaf analysis. And getting that done, getting that done is easy enough, is it? Yes, you know, it's, it's, it's as simple as taking a soil sample that many are already doing and send them away to our, our labs up in Pocklington. But there's broad spectrum analysis and there's basic. What's the difference? Um, so our basic is basically just to satisfy the water regulations. Um, so they've set out from 2018 that everything needs to be tested by this April. Um, for the sort of the basic uh, phosphate, potassium, magnesium and pH. Um, and now we've sort of start to look beyond the basics to so look at that cation exchange capacity, look at your, all the other micronutrients that have an effect on the, on the, on the crop. We all, I'm sure everybody's aware of the Liebig's barrel, if not have a look at it after this. Um, and it's, it's a law of minimums. So any, any limiting factor is going to limit the yield in that crop and therefore is going to limit our profitability in that crop. I don't know whether it's because of government policy on this is still to be really defined, but I know in Scotland and certainly in Northern Ireland, farmers are going to be asked a lot more about the carbon in their soil. Is this the kind of thing that this kind of analysis could include so that farmers don't have to go to two or three places to get their answers? Yeah, so, I mean, going again even further, we, we start to look at a broad spectrum extra, which now involves um, uh, using Dumar, uh, Dumar test, um, which sort of works out the organic carbons and give you organic matter content as well. So moving into the elms, a lot of this is going to start to look at organic matters within that soils, therefore the organic carbons. Um, so, yeah, we, we can offer everything that's needed you know let's get the most of that one bag of soil it's, it takes a lot to walk around the field so let's sort of have a look at all aspects within it and it's not just soil analysis is it should the data collection goes further than that or can go further than that and particularly this time of year when we're, we're taking crops off off fields it, it does yes yeah. so i mean i've already mentioned a timely leaf analysis um so this allows for in-season updates um sort of typically taken a week or two before our tea timings allowing enough time for the results to go back to you and then you're able to get any um, Yaravita products onto your farm. Um, for years, I think that sort of leaf analysis has been done when we start, see, when we start to see a crop suffering from a deficiency. Um, but at this point, you know, the, the crop has already taken a yield hit with the hidden hungers and now actually the deficient signs that we're seeing. Um, I think we all need to get into a bit more of a habit of supplying a sufficient crop and not reacting to a deficient one. Um, so, yeah, but, but another key test of analysis is our organic inputs. We're seeing this a lot more this year as well, um, allowing us to accurately determine available nutrients um, and then possibly reducing that fertilizer application coming into the season. But these are all things that we need to start looking at before we establish the crop. But like you said, um, retrospectively looking now, whilst crops are coming off, we can start to do grain samples. Um, we can uh, sort of analyse 
the offtakes from that crop, we can put that up against um, what we've applied to that crop and we can start to work out our uh, nutrient um, use efficiency that we've had. And Natalie, that maintenance of soil fertility is going to be ever more important. The authorities aren't going to accept mining of soils much in future. Net zero policies insist on enriching soils, not depleting them. And that, again, needs for a change of mindset as far as farmers and agronomists are concerned. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows how important soil is. But as you say, you know, it's going to be more and more important. And especially now we can start to do some of those um, analysis that Ollie's been talking about. Um, you know, we can get a lot more information from the soil. Um Certainly, you know, the Solvita test, et cetera, looking at the micronutrients, people are starting to understand these levels better. And, you know, you can start to look at different practices on farm and see what is working and what's not working. Um, but certainly, you know, as the ELMS schemes come through, et cetera, you know, you will be rewarded for having good soils. You know, that's your number one asset as a farmer is your soil. So you've got to make sure that you've got that right in the first place before even thinking of, you know, growing anything on it, because it makes such a big difference. Um, and that, you know, that that's a, a number of things like Ollie's mentioned, you know, it's not just one, any, there's not one size fits all, unfortunately, you need to measure your farm to be able to manage it, which we do say that um, phrase quite a lot, but it is true. You know, you need to have that baseline, you need to know what you're working with before you can start to change things um, and increase your soil health overall. Um, it's not really one characteristic it's you know it's lots of things all lumped together now that make a good good fertile soil and luckily we can start to analyze those so that you can see those values in front of you and actually see what they mean. Ollie I realize there's a variation across the country up and down the country and certainly Northern Ireland and the Republic as well but what about pH it strikes me there's little points in focusing on PNK and testing the soil if it's too acid limes another input often sidelined when times are tough. Yes, Ken. I mean, like Natalie touched on then and what I've already mentioned is we have loads of aspects that we can look at in the lab from the solvitas looking at soil respiration and loads of other things. But sometimes the pH is overlooked and it's go again going back to the basics. That although we need to sort of go beyond it, we shouldn't be forgetting about it. Um, I mean, for instance, at a pH of five, um, we can reduce the nutrient availability of nitrogen and potassium by 50% and phosphate by 70%. Um, you know, this may have been possible when fertilizer was at what, 250, 280 um, pound a tonne. But now when we're sitting at sort of 600 to 700 pounds a tonne, we are now potentially losing what we were applying a year or two in monetary terms. I don't think we can continue like this, um, especially when we look at some of the results from the lab and say that around one third of samples that we received into the that we receive into the lab are below a pH of six. Therefore, they would benefit from an application of lime, given you know what what's being grown on the soil. Soil health is influenced by all the basics. So again, let's not forget them. And Natalie, I was at a field day recently where a colleague of yours was stressing we're back into the era of proper crop husbandry. Uh, mm -hmm. It's you know no longer just working off a menu. It's now really taking account of the detail, looking at your crops, following the crops. Is prop that's that's what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and as Ollie mentioned, you know, pH is one of the most basic things that you need to get right because you've got all those nutrients that are in the soil. But if your pH is off. You know, the availability of those just decreases rapidly. Um, you know, we, we hear the term both nitrogen use efficiency and nutrient use efficiency a lot. 
and you can increase your nutrient use efficiency a lot just by changing the pH because all of a sudden, you know, five different nutrients might become more available that weren't when you had that lower pH. So, you know, it's really key to get those. And I'm guessing, you know, I'm not that old, but I'm guessing some of the older generation will be tearing their hair out saying, you know, we've been telling you this for decades. You know, it's, it's come full circle now. And, you know, we're talking about the same old things that we've been talking about since you know crops were being grown at the start so it's nothing new the difference is there's now science behind this yeah. in other words the science to, to build up that build on the tradition it's not just a case yeah. of doing it because it worked for granddad yeah so let's summarize ollie what do you hope the listeners will take away from this discussion um i mean definitely we can't manage what we don't measure um so let's just ensure that we're getting the most of that one soil bag um, but again, moving on, let, let's take an integrated approach at the analysis to ensure that all areas are working together. Don't treat these, you know, a soil and a tissue sample as different entities. Let's let's look at them together and link them in with our grain analysis at the end of the season. Um, and let's not overlook the basics. I think if that's anything, like Natalie said, pH is one of the most important things. So let's not overlook the basics. Let's get them right. And then let's start to improve all other aspects that we can. And Natalie, your your bullet points, your key key things to think about? Yeah, well, I guess, you know, always covering most of that in terms of you've got to get the basics right, you need to measure first. Um, but also just just look at the risk in terms of if you are thinking of not applying P and K, for example, you know, weigh up your risk. Is your soil good enough to be able to cope for this one year, for example? Or, you know, do you need to look at your strategy slightly different, try and up your nutrient use efficiency as a whole? And then maybe you can, you know, reduce the amount of P and K, but certainly, you know, it's not as easy as saying, right, I'm not going to use it this year. You need to put a bit of thought process behind it. Natalie Wood, Oliver Walton, thanks very much. There's no doubt farmers and growers are faced with some complex decisions just now, and I hope this has helped at least clarify the thought processes. That's all for the moment, but join me, Ken Rundle, in a couple of weeks' time for another look at the issues. Speak to you then. Thanks for listening to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. For more information, visit yara.co.uk or yara.ie.